Hi, I'm Jalen Rose, and welcome to the Renaissance Man Podcast, proudly presented by the New York Post. We have fashion designer, entrepreneur, and mother to two of the greatest entertainers in the history of the game, Beyonce and Solange. Her name, Miss Tina Knowles Lawson. Coming up, I talked to Tina about growing up in Galveston, Texas, what it was like raising children who she would eventually realize were talented beyond her dreams and how she developed her love for fashion designing and helping others. Up next, Tina Knowles Lawson. Let's go. Hi, I'm Jalen Rose, and welcome to the Renaissance Man Podcast, proudly presented by the New York Post. A show where we cover trends in fashion, entertainment, current events, and everything in between. Download the podcast. Leave a five-star rating. Who's been your favorite guest? What's been your favorite theme? I know you love Last Call. I know you love Gone in 60 Seconds. I appreciate the continued support. And we're getting close to 90 podcasts. And the monumental 100th episode will be coming in the next few weeks. And this week's episode is probably one of my favorite. This week's theme is believe in your wildest dreams. If you really think about it, every morning you got two choices. You could keep sleeping with your dreams or you can wake up and chase them. And don't get me wrong. There are many parts of life that are just out of your control. But what is within your power is the ability to believe that you can be more, that you are worthy of more and actually take action. There's a saying that I love. I can't hear what you're saying because your actions are so loud. Believe in even the biggest dream you can possibly imagine in your work, in your art, in your family, with your relationships. As long as you leave some room in your heart for the unimaginable, you can start laying the foundation for your goals, little by little, brick by brick. And it doesn't stop there. Be a cheerleader for the ones you love when you see them trying to reach something bigger than themselves. You can be present at one of their performances or their games, like their posts, follow them on social media, be their biggest cheerleaders, or just write them a note and tell them how much you support their working hard toward their goals. You never truly know what you may actually inspire in someone. My next guest knows all about that. Tina Knows Lawson is a powerful businesswoman, fashion designer, advocate, and mother figure who without a doubt is the absolute inspiration to some of the greatest musical icons the game has seen. I also had the recent honor of collaborating with her on a new HIV prevention campaign. I hope you check that out. Coming up, I talked to Tina Knows Lawson about the impact Soul Train had on her upbringing and what it's like looking back at her family's many accomplishments and what she thinks about changes in the music industry today. Up next, Tina Knows Lost.
I am Jalen Rose, and welcome to the Renaissance Man podcast, proudly presented by the New York Post, a show where we cover trends in fashion, entertainment, current events, and everything in between. My next guest is a legendary hairstylist, fashion designer, and mother to the greatest entertainer of all time. In addition to raising two musical superstars and being a mother figure to countless others, she's also found success as an actress, philanthropist, and an advocate for so many important issues. It is my honor to welcome Queen Tina Knowles Lawson to the Renaissance Man podcast. Thank you for joining me. Oh, thank you for having me, Jalen. What were your memories growing up in Galveston, Texas, and what are some of your favorite memories growing up in the Beyonce household with six siblings? Well, I mean, I was the youngest of uh, seven, and um, our lives really centered a lot around the beach because Galveston, a lot of people don't know it, but it's an island. It's a little tiny island. And so there were always tourists there. It was so much fun because you were always meeting new people. Um, and we had the beach. We had the ferry. You know, I grew up really poor. Um, but, you know, poor in money, but not poor in, in love and um, and support. And um, so it was a really good childhood. I had a good time. So in now being a legendary fashion designer. That's fashion, that's costumes that you've done for so many countless acts, including Destiny's Child. Right up there with other amazing designers like Bob Mackie and Ola Hudson. Where did your love from fashion come from and how did you find yourself expressing your ideas through fashion? Well, you know, my mother was a seamstress. That was her profession. Her mother was a seamstress seamstress before her. My nephew, who was my very best friend, was a designer. And so I was surrounded by fashion and people who could take nothing and turn it into something beautiful. Uh, Because like I said, I grew up really poor. So my mom reupholstered furniture, she made curtains, she made clothes for people. And so it was just in my blood. And I always wanted to do something in fashion, whether it was, you know, I was always doing everybody's hair, doing their makeup. I made all my friends prom dresses. So it's been a real big part of my life, always. And I was also in the singing group. I don't know if you know that, but I was in Please the tell me more. Tell I, me more about the singing group. I need to know this. What was the name of the group? It was called the Bell Tones. And we were a harmony group. We were really good, but we were kind of known more for our costumes than we were for our, our entertainment. And uh, me and my mom made all the costumes. So when I started with Destiny's Child, I just felt like God gave me so many tools in my toolbox that I was able to go back and and pull out and use for them because that was never my intention. I was doing their hair and we were in uh, Jamaica for MTV and they lost the costumes, Mm. um, the, the luggage. So I had to go to a side roadside place and I got all this camouflage clothes and I cut them down and I made costumes for the girls and they were with Wyclef John and he said, wow, who uh, styled you guys today? And they were like, Beyonce said, well, my mom did. And uh, he was like, you should style them all the time. And that's how I got to styling them, believe it or not. What was it like in those early days? Because like every parent 
knows their kids are special and we want to invest in their talents and their interests. But in a unique sense, you birthed not only one, but two musical geniuses who have changed the history of music. Are there any instances in their childhood or youth that you can distinctly remember feeling like Beyonce and or Solange was destined for excellence? Um, well, just from day one, they loved singing and performing and dancing. And I mean, nobody wanted to come to our house because they would sell them tickets and make them look at them <laughs> put on shows. And so they, they always loved it. They didn't want to play outside. That's all they wanted to do. And I put them in dance class. I put Beyonce in dance class, actually, because she was super shy. Mm-hmm. And I thought she would make friends. And um, and she, you know, her dance teacher was actually her stage mother. She was like, this little girl is so talented. And I'm like, yeah, everybody thinks their kid is talented. <laughs> it took me a while to really be a believer, you know, because I didn't want to, I never wanted to be that parent that's like, oh, my child is so, so super talented. But, but they turned out to be that way. And that's all they wanted to do was sing and dance and put on shows. Well, there's so much gratitude that I would like to show you as somebody that lost my beloved mother over a year ago and watching how you nurtured your daughters and your family has really been admirable. What is it like now for you being a grandparent? Well, I love being a grandmother more, but that's my best job. Um, I get to have (laughs) the kids and spoil them and then give them back to their parents, but uh, it's been the best. And my grandkids are all like so loving and, and smart and, you know, just all the way around. Uh, they're just a joy for me. So I'm, I'm really excited about that. I want more because, you know, I raised Kelly too. Kelly Rowland, that's my daughter. And she has two, two sons too. So I have six grandchildren and all. That is incredible. What is it like for you? as you sit back and look at your fingerprints on entertainment and on the industry, what is it like when you sit back and you have the remote control in your hand or you're riding in the car and you're listening to music? What, what is that like for you? Well, it's, you know, it's, it's a dream come true for my kids to be blessed enough to, I tell them all the time, that it's such a blessing to be able to do what you love and get paid for it. I'm sure you can relate to that. You know, it, it, it's yes, like, ma'am. you know, God just really blessed you when you're able to do that because a lot of people go to jobs that they don't like, that they don't enjoy, but they are really truly passionate about what they do and they get to get paid well for it. So I, I just feel totally blessed. And sometimes I have to pinch myself. Because I'm like, is this really happening? You know, because we never had any clue that it would go this far. I remember when Beyonce said, we're going to get a gold record. Like, that was the ultimate dream mm. to be on, like, the Soul Train Awards and to get a gold record. And look look where we are now. So I wouldn't ever believe that would happen, you know, back then. Who were some of your favorite artists growing up? And obviously you were a part of a group. And who are some of the people that you would see in Destiny's Child, Solange, or Beyonce that they could impart on who they are as artists and as young people? Oh, definitely. You know, my my ex-husband showed them all the tapes of Motown because I'm a big Diana Ross and the Supremes, Martha and the Vandellas. 
the Osley brothers. I mean, I could go on and on. Smokey Robinson. They had such great role models. And we, you know, because they watched those films and they were familiar with those artists of Motown days, the girls were very, very dedicated to their craft. And so they worked really hard and they tried to do interviews and they, they emulated the people from Motown because they, they really started it all for, for Black artists. What was that period like? So I'm a Detroiter and Quincy Jones and Smokey Robinson and the Motown sound is our calling card to this day. So give me a snapshot of those days with Don Cornelius and Soul Train. Like, just, just, just bring me back to that time, please. Well, for me, that was my era. So, you know, I watched Soul Train every Saturday, religiously. Tried to mock the moves, the fashion. I got a lot of my fashion inspiration from, from those kids on Soul Train. It was like, I mean, that was the time. Music was music. People really danced together. You know, whether they were doing the Soul Train line or whatever they we slow dance. That was really cool. They don't even do that anymore. Do they? Do they still slow dance? No, they don't. Yeah. It's almost like cursive in school. <laughs> yeah, so, I, you know, during my time, it was all about that. So, um, you know, I miss seeing that. I, I hate that young people don't experience the house parties where they're slow dragging at the end of the night. You know, that part of it. What about the Part of how the business of music and entertainment changed where labels started to create 360 deals and so many artists trying to make sure that they secure their publishing. What do you think about that part of the industry and how it's changed over the last few years? I'm so years? happy to see that because as you know, you know, people were taken advantage of all the time. So now these young artists are smart enough to demand their masters um, you know, to demand their publishing. And I am so happy to see that change uh, because, and, and not to be so dependent on the record labels because they made all the money and the artists didn't make the money. And now, you know, these kids are, they're business savvy. And I, I couldn't be happier about that, you know, that they, they educate themselves and they know about the business. They don't just go buy the big fancy cars and the jewelry they want to have money in the bank. So I'm, I'm elated about that. I agree. I love that, too. And you recently got some acting credits <laughs> in the Lifetime movie, Rap, alongside singer, member of Destiny's Child, Michelle Williams. How did that opportunity come about? And were you nervous to take on the role of acting? Yeah, of course. Uh, you know, actually, uh, Bishop Jakes, that's his production. So he reached out to me and, you know, when Bishop Jakes calls, you don't tell him no. Uh, but I was pretty Preach. nervous. I was nervous. But Michelle, you know, I played Michelle's mother, which is very easy for me because she's like one of my daughters as well. And I had a lot of fun doing it. Uh, would I want to do it again? I don't know. But it was fun. I can cross it off my bucket list. I'm a huge T.D. Jakes fan. Also, Lil Romeo. So tell me, what was it like being on set? Well, you know, Little Romeo, I have known since he was a little kid. Solange uh, did a video with him, and Master P was our friend. And so, you know, he would, he would come and work with the girls, and I knew Romeo since he was a kid. So to see this grown man just acting and who's very, very talented, 
um, it was fun because we talked about Houston, OH Town, and, you know, his dad still lives there. So we had a lot in common. It was fun. I was really fortunate to work alongside of you in an HIV awareness PSA entitled Me and You and You and Me, where we talked about the, the stigma associated with HIV. Where did your desire start to serve others come from? And do you have advice for other people who want to help but feel overwhelmed by the problems that they encounter in society? Well, it came from my mom. My mom was such a humanitarian, even though I didn't know it then because we were so poor. But whatever we had, she shared with everybody. And, you know, she she put money in church and she uh, fed people and she made clothes for people. And she did what she could do with hardly nothing. So it was a great lesson. And she always taught us that if you do things for someone, you do it from the heart. And you don't do it for the recognition because then you've already got your blessing. And um, so I have passed mm. that on to kids as well, that, you know, it's, it's just uh, fulfilling to give and to give back. And so however I can help somebody, that's, I mean, that brings me the most joy. And it brings me joy and gratitude that you were gracious enough to join the Renaissance Man podcast with the New York Post. I'm not only going to write an article in the paper about this, but I'm going to send you a framed copy of the interview. But before I let you get out of here, I have a rapid fire segment called Gone in 60 Seconds. You ready to do this? Yes. In terms of fashion and style only, what is your favorite Beyonce era? Uh, Probably now. I think that, you know, she can get clothes now. So it's probably right now. Mm. How about this one? This is a, 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 this question is twofold. Name your favorite Solange song. Cranes in the Sky. Name your favorite Beyonce song. Um, wow, I got so many uh, with her, but probably um, Survivor. I mean, that's Destiny's Child, but it, I, I mean, that song means so much to me because I've seen it give people the courage to do things. Incredible, terrific answer. If you decided to act again, name one actor you love to work with next. An actor, um, Denzel Washington. The legend. You're back in Houston for one night only. What is the first restaurant you're hitting up? Frenchie's. <laughs> Frenchie's Chicken. Lastly, but certainly not least, you have a show on Facebook Watch called Talks with Mama Tina and have guests on like Tiffany Haddish and Zendaya. Name one guest you're dying to interview. Huh. Ah. Uh, oh, that's a tough one. Um, and it's supposed to be rapid fire. Um, <laughs> it's okay. <laughs> I would love to interview you. So I'm putting you on the spot. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you. I appreciate that open invite. Anytime you call, I'm there. All right. I appreciate you. Thank you very much for taking the time. Thank you, Jalen. Take care. Yes, ma'am. Last call. Last call. I'd like to thank the queen, Tina Knows Lawson, for stopping by the podcast. It goes without saying, not only is she an amazing mother, 
but an inspiration to everyone she meets because she truly leads by example. One thing that stood out to me about Tina is how she said that the origin of her generosity, her desire to help others, came from her own mother. Tina learned as a child that giving to your community is done not for clout and not for getting anything in return. Giving should come from the heart. That's a beautiful thing to pass on from one generation to another. Now, Beyonce and Solange and even Tina's honorary daughter, Kelly Rowland, are continuing this tradition through their own charities and their art. How do you feel like you're giving back to your community? I'll tell you what I'm doing this Saturday. The Jalen Rose Leadership Academy, a school I founded in 2011, we're having another graduation. We impact 400 high school scholars and another 700 alums. The work in the community doesn't stop. Making an impact doesn't always mean fiscal donations. It could also be sharing your time or speaking truth or bringing awareness to a cause that matters to you. It's one of the many ways you, and I'm talking to you, can leave your mark on this world. I'm the Renaissance Man. See you next week.